0: The Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona sports, Ain't No Fang. The Arizona Diamondbacks could punch their ticket to the playoffs today. They could do it today. But then a team that is already lacking in starting pitching loses another starting pitcher? All right, let's talk about it. Steve Zinsmeister, Alex Weiner covers the team for Arizona sports. Uh, Alex, the team could clinch today they've got an 11 10 i think start against the chicago white Sox. um that is the last game in mm-hmm. chicago before they come home for a three game stint against the houston astros who have their own things to play for right now we'll get into that a little bit um, but let's run through the absolute basics of how the diamondbacks okay. go about making the playoffs for the first time since 2017 they could do it today if they win and if they get a little bit of help from the Braves, who are playing the Cubs, that's the easiest
1: and preferred way to get into the playoffs. Yeah, to kind of break it down, because I feel like the magic number is great, but when there's so many different teams, all, it can kind of convolute it a little bit. Technically, the magic number is two, because with a win against the White Sox and great, any po- MLB podcast you listen to for the next three Days is going to be like outdated within like two hours. We probably will be too, you know. Or at least elements of it will be outdated in two hours. So we are recording this on Thursday before their series finale against the White Sox. If they win that game, so I guess kind of do process of elimination. The Reds cannot catch up to them, so throw the Reds to the side. Because if the Diamondbacks win against the White Sox, they would be at 85 wins. The Reds are at 81, they do not play Thursday, they only have three games left, they can't get to 85. It goes to the Cubs. If the D-backs win and the Cubs lose, the D-backs will be three games ahead of the Cubs with three games left with a tiebreaker. So the Cubs cannot catch up to the Diamondbacks. So that is how they clinch. And this is not clinching the five seed or the six seed specifically. This is just clinching one of the two spots. Because even if the Diamondbacks beat the White Sox to sweep them and the Marlins lose against the New York Mets... The Marlins can still catch up and pass the Diamondbacks because they have the tiebreaker. So that's sort of what we're looking at right now. So yeah, the Braves beat the Cubs. But first things first, if the Diamondbacks beat the White Sox, if those two things happen, they're going to the postseason. We just don't know what seed it would be yet.
0: And it's not like all hope is lost if they lose today against the Mm -hmm. Chicago White Sox. You've still got the three games against the Astros, which it appears the Astros will have something to play for. Um, But even if you win... Two of your final four games. You can still clinch a playoff spot. There's a scenario where the Diamondbacks could lose every game for the rest of the season. (laughs) Not that I'm hoping that happens. And they could still get in with some help from some other teams. So Uh, Certainly a lot of different ways the Diamondbacks can get in going forward. The easiest just happens to be today. And it's important because you're facing the end of the season pitching rotation Mm -hmm. uh, and where guys line up on days. Right now, Merrill Kelly is slated to pitch the second to last game of the year. Zach Gallen would be the day before. That's Friday and Saturday. Then you've got that Sunday game. We still don't really know what they're going to do there or even if that game will be important to the diamondbacks so if you're going to plan for game one of a potential wild card series against whoever it may be you're hoping to bump merrill kelly from that saturday game and do a bullpen game of sorts so that he can be
1: available for game one absolutely 100 right because the playoffs start on tuesday so yeah if it's gallon friday merrill saturday Then neither of them would be fully gassed up for Game One. You would have to go Gallon Game Two, Kelly Game Three, and Game Three is not a guaranteed game because it's only a best of three series. So by clinching early, you know I don't know if they want to like just like put them to the side and say like you're going in Games One and Two, you're not going to throw this Astro series at all, or if maybe it'll be like you know Gallon throws two innings, sort of like a pseudo bullpen to stay sharp, and then he goes in game two and Kelly goes in game one they push Kelly back to game one something like that but it gives them the flexibility to ensure that both of their top starters are pitching in a playoff series when they need to as opposed opposed to like you know Brandon Fott who was terrific uh, on Wednesday against the White Sox but you know it, you feel a little bit more comfortable if it's Gallon or Kelly going game one versus a rookie who, and granted, none of them have pitched in the postseason before, but, you know, it's Fott's first season as a major leaguer, and to throw him into the fire like that, I think that's you know, a little bit more dicey than just getting one of your solid guys.
0: So let's say the Diamondbacks clinch today, as early as possible on Thursday. Sure. Then you head into the Houston series. You're supposed to have Gallon tomorrow. Do you pitch Zach Gallon tomorrow? And like you said, throw him for two, three innings just to get him comfortable and just so he gets his work in and he doesn't have to skip days. Or do you hold him out and give him the extra couple days of rest Mm. so that Gallen could potentially be ready for game one, then Merrill Kelly slides into game two, But then the problem is, if you do that, it's almost like the the downside of clinching too early is Brandon fought is your assumed starter for Game Mm 3. Because he's really the only other preferred starter in the rotation. The only other starter in the rotation if Ryan Nelson's going to be a long reliever. (laughs) And so then the question is, if you do that plan, Brandon fought pitched on Wednesday, yesterday. But Game 3 is probably not going to be until at least a week after that. So then do you give him a full week off? It's kind of an interesting game of chess that they're trying to play right now, figuring out where the pieces best fit.
1: Yeah, I'm sure they have a giant whiteboard with like 80 different scenarios. And like, here, if we win this game and they lose this game, we'll pitch this guy this many innings. Um, it's, it's impossible to say exactly what they'd want to do with that. But I think if they can line it up, and Kelly, fought. you do it. Um, if that means, I don't know, fought pitches two innings, Actually, no, that wouldn't work. Because if I can't pitch on Sunday, because i would be on short rest. Yeah. Unless they feel like it'd be his bullpen day, and they throw him out there for 25 pitches, and then that's it. Um, they can kind of do that with all three of their starters over the weekend. They could do three that with... bullpen th- games? Maybe. Well, not really. You wouldn't really love that. Maybe they call a somebody Ryan up. Ryan
0: Nelson game,
1: maybe? Or a- yeah. I, f- I feel like Ryan Nelson is going to start, or at least get the bulk of the innings for one of those three games. He came in in relief on Tuesday against the White Sox. and pitched really, really well. So... That's sort of your key there. You can kind of lean on Nelson a little bit, but yeah, it's going to be interesting if they clinch early, like how they manage that because you don't want to like, you know, put... Too many innings on the bullpen right before the playoffs start. But on the other hand, they have Monday off anyway to reset it, so maybe they would be more able to. I I, I don't really know. I, I'm trying to like kind of talk it out with you as we kind of go here because it, it's such an interesting spot that they're in and how they can handle this. But the sooner they can get this clinched, the more flexibility they'd have, and the more they kind of have to piece it together. But both are a challenge uh, to try to get yourself as ready as you could possibly be for Game One. And
0: maybe there's somebody sitting in the minor leagues that's on the ro- on the forty man that you could call up and just give get- a spot start because we Tyler Gilbert the... yeah. yeah get him a couple innings something like that um, let's talk about another starting pitcher Zach Davies went the other day and he's had some really rough outings this season which is an indicated in his seven ERA for the regular season they DFA'd him immediately after the start Um, I sensed some frustration there. John Gambadoro had reported, the way he worded it was, the Diamondbacks were just ticked that every time he pitched, they had to dig deep into the bullpen, five, sometimes six innings at a time. And Zach Davies, the way Gambo put it, was he wasn't going to pitch in any meaningful games going forward. And I believe that to be true, um, barring any sort of like he needs to come in in the second or third inning in an emergency or cleanup role. Um, so Zach Davies goes away. It, it's weird because on the one hand, I get it. The numbers aren't good. A one six six whip is not good. A 7 ERA is kind of uh, harkens back to Madison Bumgarner's numbers when they <laughs> DFA'd him earlier in the season. They're worse. So on the one hand, I get it, right? Quick hook. And the Diamondbacks have had yeah. it all year long. And I like that aspect of it. But when you're a team going into the postseason potentially in the next couple of days and you only have three starting pitchers,
1: That's risky. It's curious, especially because what we just talked about. Because they DFA'd Davies to recall Justin Martinez. They have a very deep bullpen right now. And the bullpen has pitched great. And they're getting multiple innings from certain guys. Andrew Sofrank hasn't even given up a run yet. Ryan Thompson's given up one run. Frias has not given up a run this month. I mean, they've had all these guys pitching super, super well. And now they add Justin Martinez into the mix as sort of a high upside guy who hasn't always you know, had the best results in the Major League so far this year. But what we just talked about, like, Davies could have given you, in theory, 20 batters on Sunday if they had already clinched and the game didn't mean anything to them. And now you don't have that. So it's interesting, but you're right. I mean, it it, it just got to a point where if you're going to try to win every single game to keep yourself alive and to keep yourself playing, you need guys who can get you out. And Zach Davies was not getting you out. It, It sort of... Kind of like what they were doing with Nelson and what they were doing with Fought, They were keeping them around two to, to go-arounds through the batting order. Um, around 18 batters, give or take a few. Yesterday, they went a little longer with Fought because he was throwing so well and they were winning. Two rounds through the batting order for Davies was like three innings. Just because he wasn't getting the outs, he wasn't missing the bats. He They were piecing him up. I mean, he got crushed against the White Sox on Tuesday. They won 15-4. to four. And shouts to uh, Teo Mackey from AC Central, because he tweeted that they won the last five starts that Davies made, even after he was consistently getting hit very, very hard and giving up a lot of runs. So, you know, it's it's just at this point in the season, they need guys who can get them the outs. They need to get to 27 outs somehow, because if it's not Gallon or Kelly, they just have to piece it together and get the 27 he's not getting you as deep into games as they need from somebody who has that specific role. And so they're just going to try to piece it together with the guys who have been getting it done.
0: Zach Davies is an interesting case because I thought he was a pretty solid pitcher for the first five seasons in Milwaukee. Uh, kind of an under the he's radar had a good guy. career. Yeah. yeah. He had an ER 200 starts four in four of those five seasons. Um, then he goes to San Diego during the odd COVID season And he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. I mean, he had a 2.73 ERA in 69 innings is, you know, a decent sample size for that particular season and a whip of 1.07 i mean he was really really good that year one of the best in the game goes to chicago uh i believe that was was that the darvish trade maybe he got moved in i want to say or or was he free agent Uh, it was one of those but he ends up in chicago he ends up coming to arizona and he just hasn't been the same pitcher since the covid year it's it's I know the COVID year did that to a lot of guys. Have you seen Dylan Bundy's uh, COVID year? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of guys that, that, you know, they haven't been special any other year but that year. And there's some guys who are special every year, and they were terrible that season. So he's really just kind of, he's one of those guys that I think of in baseball, that the COVID year
1: was just a different universe almost (laughs) from the rest of his career. You're correct, by the way. That was the U Darvish trade. I thought so, yeah. Yeah, it was Victor Caratini and U Darvish to san diego uh, yeah and then he went on with this package I mean, of he prospects was a big
0: piece of that trade i mean david yeah. was thought of as kind of one of the premier pieces coming back uh, to chicago in that deal and that and he stayed there you know just one a year season. yeah he was six and 12 that year it was his one of his worst seasons on record um, if, you know, probably this one might be a little bit worse. Listen, he's 30 years old. He could catch on somewhere. He
1: could continue his career. I have no doubt about that. He was a valuable innings eater last year. Maybe he'll be again.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately for the Diamondbacks over the last few years, I feel like they've had to rely on a lot of those types of guys. Mike Leake comes to mind where he just wasn't really like the guy he was just kind of around to eat innings Sun Devil though um, so yeah former Sun <laughs> that's true um, we were talking about the last time the Diamondbacks made the playoffs was 2017 and how the play-in game kind of messed with their rotation because they threw if I remember right they threw Granky, and then they threw Ray yeah. in that game in relief so then even though you win the game in dramatic fashion You end up going into the next series, and it screws up your whole rotation because you've used your top two starters in that game. I think they ended up going with Taiwan Walker. And Zach Godley. They both pitched. And Zach Godley. In game one, they both pitched. And so you just end up in that terrible situation where your pitching has been essentially ruined by the wild card game. That system is gone. Now you're likely to get a three-game series in a wild card. So, uh, I don't know. Hopefully they don't have to go through something like that Mm -hmm. again where they're pitching all of their best guys in one game that's going to ruin the next series.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. the system's gonna Also, just kind of looking at Zach Dave, totally off topic here. But uh, he was traded for Gerardo Parra straight up in 2015. It's a little former Diamondback, 2015. former Diamondback. So he went from Milwaukee. No, from uh, Baltimore to Milwaukee for Gerardo Parra. Straight up. Oh, he was in Baltimore. I didn't know that. Yeah, actually, he didn't play for Baltimore, though, did he? Uh, he was drafted by Baltimore. He didn't actually play a game for them in the major leagues. No. Straight up for Gerardo Parra. Yeah, long it's time a strange, time back. I, lo- I love going through trade trees like that too. I mean, oh
0: yeah, funny. and Milwaukee's is very interesting. Just like I, I was looking through it recently with the David Stern acquisition. Yeah. David Stern's going to uh, the Mets, and he's got a crazy trade history in Milwaukee, where they won a lot of big trades. Um, Zach Davies, certainly a piece of it. Okay, so we head into the playoffs, uh, Mm -hmm. potentially, as early as today. It's very likely the Diamondbacks make the postseason. Um, It would take four straight losses and a lot of things to go wrong for them not to. And I don't want to speak that into the universe necessarily, but it is a possibility (laughs) at this point. Um, Word on the street is you could be traveling with the team as well. I believe so. I believe I'll be wherever they go. Where do you? Where would you hope the Diamondbacks go when it comes to who they could face in the first round, the wild card round
1: of the playoffs? So we know which two teams are hosting the wild card round. The Phillies on Tuesday clinched their spot in the playoffs. They clinched the top wild card spot. So they're the, I guess if you want to think of it as seeds one through six, they are the four seed. The Brewers clinched the NL Central with the Cubs losing that crazy game the other day where Seiya Suzuki dropped the fly ball. ball, Which, we can kind of get into what the heck the Cubs are doing these last few games, because in order for them not to be neck and neck with the Diamondbacks right now, it has taken a couple of miracles. I mean, the Seiya Suzuki drops the ball in the bottom of the eighth inning with two outs and allows two runs to score, and they lose by one. The next day, they blow another lead and lose an extra innings after Ronald Acuna Jr. steals his 70th bag of the year, giving him 40-70, and then they give up a walk-off to... Ozzie Albies. Unbelievable two days of baseball where they'd lose a couple of games on we the We would call them the miracles. They would call them, would call them just curses. Yeah. <laughs> just like what the heck is going on here? Um, but because of their loss the other day with the dropped fly ball, the Brewers clinched the NL Central, which we knew they would anyway, because they're so far ahead. So if the Diamondbacks finish in the second wild card spot, which is where they are right now, they would go to Philadelphia and then potentially, if they beat the Phillies. To Atlanta to face the Braves with the number 1 seed. If the D-backs drop, like let's say the Marlins catch up to them and they tie and the Marlins have the tiebreaker so they end up in the second wildcard spot, the D-backs get the third card spot, they would go to Milwaukee with a track that would lead them to Los Angeles against the Dodgers if they beat the Brewers. So
0: the question is, which path do you like better? Philadelphia, Atlanta or Milwaukee, LA? I know which one I would pick. Which one would you pick? I'd pick Milwaukee, L.A. Yeah. I think Milwaukee's the team that I'd rather face in the first round because I think that's more winnable. Um, That's a team who has a pretty good top end of their starting rotation. Yeah. Um, And that's probably the most intimidating part. But their lineup is not anything that I'm overly worried about. Um, They've got a couple of really nice players. William Contreras has been one of the surprise catchers in baseball over the last few seasons. Uh, I really like Willie Adamas, although his batting average has been much lower this season. Uh, Christian Yelich has had a resurgence this season. Um, But aside from that, I'm not overly intimidated by anything in their lineup. And they may say the same about the Diamondbacks. um, But if I'm choosing between the Phillies and the Brewers first round, I'm going Brewers all day long. Phillies were in the World Series recently. They've Mm -hmm. gotten a lot of their players back. Um, so I think I would pick Milwaukee there. And then honestly, I'd rather play the Dodgers than the Braves. Even with the weird juju around Dodger Stadium and the Diamondbacks yeah. going to Dodger Stadium. I, I, yeah, I think for me, but it, it just comes down to which team would I rather play. And I think the Braves are the best team in baseball, in my opinion. And I think they have the best player in baseball, who you just mentioned is the first ever to hit 40-70. I mean, that's just insane. Uh, they've got arguably the best pitcher in baseball, or at least in terms of strikeouts. And that's Spencer Strider. Um, I'd rather face
1: the Brewers and the Dodgers. I'd rather face both of them. Yeah, um I, I totally understand that. It's, it's so different between the Brewers and the Phillies, what they do well. Because with the Brewers, you know who the top three pitchers are going to be facing in that series are. It's going to be Brandon Woodruff. It's going to be Corbin Burns. And it's going to be Freddie Peralta. They've all made all-star teams. They've all pitched in the postseason before. And they're all on a heater right now. They've been terrific. Brandon Woodruff has missed most of the season. Since he's come back, he's been one of the best starting pitchers, if not the best starting pitcher in the major leagues. So that is the problem there, and their bullpen is really, really good. Even Wade Miley is pre- he's really been really good. They year. probably wouldn't have to deal with him. Former Diamondback, by the way, he has been very good. If they make it deeper into the postseason, they're going to need him, and he's been very serviceable. Yeah, and their bullpen's great. Devin Williams is a great closer. Joel Pyumps has not had a great month, but he's had a very, very good season. Former yeah, Diamondback, another former Diamondback. I think it was that 2020, something like that. Yeah, I don't remember. He's when been cut by like eight teams or something like that, and found his way to Milwaukee and has been great. Good for him. So. Um, he's been Fantastic. Very good bullpen. Very good rotation. You're right about the lineup. It's not It's not that good. Um, although, an interesting thing with the Brewers and the Diamondbacks is that they both made offseason trades that really, really led them to where they are now. Contreras. Contreras and Piams were both in that Sean Murphy deal where the Brewers just kind of came in and took Contreras, right. only giving away Estuary Ruiz. And that, I mean, Contreras was the best hitter. This year, he's been their best hitter. Him and Yelich and Piams has been a great setup man sort of like with the Diamondbacks, you know delts showed Varsho to the Blue Jays and they got their franchise catcher of the future and Gabriel Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel who's a staple in the middle of the lineup so um, it was kind of interesting how the two teams made like this one trade in the offseason that really helped spur everything else both centered around catchers too both centered around catchers which
0: we've talked a lot this season about the impact of the catcher position and Certainly the Diamondbacks have tried to find their answer, to. I mean, when was the last time they had a real stalwart at catcher? Miguel Montero for many years. Uh, there he is. Oh, <laughs> there he is right behind me They're making an appearance <laughs> in the podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, they've certainly tried. I mean, for a while they were trying like the three catcher system, and I never really believed fully in that. It was three guys who were good at specific things, but not yeah. together good catchers. Um, I think that their attempt with Carson Kelly uh, trading Paul Goldschmidt, that was part of it, was they felt he was the answer at catcher. He wasn't. um, And that's okay. It it just stinks because you traded away your greatest player of your franchise's history in terms of offensively, at least. Um, But yeah, no, that is an interesting comparison between the Brewers and the Diamondbacks because they really have revamped their lineups this year with catcher additions. Um, Certainly, Corbin Carroll has a lot to do with the revamp. Well, it's not everything. It's It's not 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 everything.
1: everything. They they each made a trade that definitely helped them get to where they are now, and that's the one parallel I can find there. The Phillies, so different. Their lineup is insane, and it's been firing recently. I mean, Trey Turner has been unbelievable over the past month and a half. Two months. Plus, two months um, after a slow start. And, you know, after he was like Captain America, essentially in the World Baseball Classic for them. and He had a um, really rough first half. It's really tough. It's yeah, really he was rough. really struggling. And, and, I mean, you saw his numbers when they last played the Diamondbacks um, in June, and they weren't pretty. Lately, he's been terrific. Harper and Schwarber and Castellanos have all been very, very good lately. You fill that out with Alec Bohm and JT Riomuto and Brandon Marsh, who have all had great seasons, too. So, it's just totally different. You're getting a gauntlet of... A starting nine the pitching is much more questionable because zach wheeler's had a very good season nola's been up and down he's been mostly okay um like kind of mid fours era 4.46 taiwan walker has fallen off in the second half which has been a trend with him 4.43 um uh, ranger suarez has been pretty good um but but again it's a lot more questionable than what you're getting with milwaukee so it's like okay in the playoffs it's like what wins you games both do but you know the Phillies hitters can change a series with one swing of the bat while the Brewers you're going to have to grind it out against them and play really clean and try to win some gutty, some gutty games
0: yeah so i guess when you put it in that context i trust the diamondbacks offense more than i trust their pitching staff and I, mm-hmm. I think I've. Just, most people have felt that way all season long, even before the season started. We kind of knew the pitching staff would be at least. Even with the way suspect. the bullpen is pitching right now, the bull, even with the bullpen pitching the way it is, I, I going into the playoffs, I anticipate you're going to have two really, really awesome starters, mm-hmm. and everything else is just kind of up in the air. No offense to Brandon Fought, he's been really good lately. It's just he's still a rookie, and to ask him to be your third starter in a playoff series, that's a big
1: ask. It's amazing they got here with the rotation they have, isn't it? Uh, that's my point. It's is a, that yeah. all
0: season long, I've trusted the offense more 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 than the pitching staff and I feel that way going into the postseason so I guess in that sense I trust the Diamondbacks hitters to adjust to good pitching against them rather than trusting the pitching staff to adjust to a really good lineup that they have to face multiple times in a series Uh, I'd rather face the Brewers any day of the week than the Phillies. That's just the way that I feel because I think the Phillies are are getting hot at the right time. I'm with you. I love that lineup that they have. Uh, Even though if you look at the statistics like over the course of a full season, nobody on that team has an OPS plus over 120 other than Bryce Harper. And Hmm. so like they have like one star player and then a bunch of really good players that are having nice seasons. But if you twist that to the last two months... It's it's devastating. It shoots up, yeah. Yeah, they've been really, really good lately. So I'll take the Brewers any day of the week over the Phillies. I just trust the, a team to beat the Brewers. And actually, that kind of harkens back to the Diamondbacks and Brewers had a contentious playoff series when that – it wasn't 17. 11. It, it would have been 11, yeah. which was the time before. Ryan Braun and yeah, Tapman was on the team. and uh, Niger Morgan, yeah. I feel like, was a big part of that series, if I remember right. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, we're going way back now, but that's – that's
1: kind of where I want to go. I want to go to Milwaukee. I totally understandable. But, you know, it's the Brewers have been really really good too. I know. So, I know.
0: You're gonna, I mean, listen, it's, it's the, the playoffs. playoffs. You have to got to be good teams. Best, At least the
1: Diamondbacks have already hit around Corbin Burns once this year. Remember Alec Thomas home run when he came back off the uh when they brought him back up. After he went down to the minor leagues, came back and hit that huge home run against Corbin Burns. Granted, that was a long time ago at this point. They haven't played either of these two teams in a while, like well before the trade deadline. They are different, a little bit different now than they were when they played them both the first couple times. So that's a little, you know, that's a that's a wrinkle too. We can look at some of those games that they played against both of them. But it, it was so long ago that it's, it's hard to find a lot of real, I guess points of like oh that's what we can kind of harp on when they matched up this happened it's not really it's a whole new it's a whole new beginning
0: for that all right so the Diamondbacks could wrap up and punch their ticket to the postseason today as soon as today it would take a win and a Braves win over the Cubs but uh, there are several other scenarios where the Diamondbacks could be heading to the playoffs we'll keep you up to speed on everything going on with the Arizona Diamondbacks for Alex Weiner I'm Steve Zinsmeister you've been listening to the ain't no fang podcast for Arizona sports